there is money to be made in recruitment, but I'm looking for a bit more depth in my hires. I'm looking for people that that, that don't just want to make money, but they they want to they want to win at something. They want to be good at something. They want to be the best at what they're doing. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm so happy to be joined today by Karen Lloyd. Karen is the Managing Director of Armstrong Lloyd, a leading recruitment firm in the technology marketing space. Karen specializes in helping CMOs and marketing directors within technology companies to grow their teams and exceed their targets. Karen actually placed her first candidate in 1996, which means she's got over 25 years experience in recruitment, including 20 as a board director and business leader. She set up her first company at the age of 24, and she's currently working to scale Armstrong Lloyd. I'm proud to have Karen as a member of our Inner Circle coaching program as well. Karen, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Delighted. Love to be here. I'm a big fan of the show, as you know, um, and I, I'm blushing with um, actually being on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, look, you wrote me an email in October 2020. Do you mind if I read that email out? Absolutely. So, okay. Uh, I got this email out of the blue and it just made my day. She's, you wrote, hi, Mark, you don't know me, but I feel like I know you. You you come on my long run with me every Sunday when I listen to your podcast. I really love the variety and topics covered. So thank you for the content. There's always some value. I heard you ask about putting your hand up to be interviewed. I'm not ready yet, but in 12 months, I will be. I have been in recruitment for 24 years, have run two businesses. I'm finding it tough at the moment, but I'm determined to be able to say, I got through this and I'm stronger and this is how. So I thought I'd send this email as a promise to myself, keep up the good work, hope to stay in touch. I just loved getting that uh, email, Karen. Could you tell me like what was going through your head at that time in your business and in your life and, and what inspired you to reach out to me? At that time, we'd just been through a massive change with COVID um, and I had... Previously to COVID, I had probably a period um, in my business where I'd had to take a little bit of time out because I'd had some difficulty with one of my children. And so I was still running the business. I was there, but I just wasn't as engaged um, as it was. And things were slightly to slip. And I was beginning to start to look at building and doing things. And then COVID just literally came, slam and hit. Um, and it, we managed, we still had a strong um, pipeline of companies and we still had some work, but I just suddenly felt almost lost. Um, and I, 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 there was a couple of days where I just sat at my desk and thinking, I just don't know what to do. Um, so I started to research and um and started to get involved in self-development and start to look at what we could do and how we can transform our business. And and, and that's when I um, pivoted my company away from being um, a broad marketing business where we did uh, marketing for any companies and we started to look at our avatar clients the clients that were still recruiting um, and started to really lock down on a niche um, and really focus in on technology for marketing. Um, and then, yeah, and then from there, I started to build up and um, upskill and you know, digitally transform the business. Amazing. And so you had all that going on in the background. Um, and, you know, I know you're a runner and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Why did you feel like you know, you want you set this goal of coming on the podcast in a year or so. I think, well, as I was running, I was listening to somebody else and how they'd grown their business and how they changed. And um, I can't remember which one it was because um, I do remember all of the podcasts. I could almost remember what they said and where I was running at the time. <laughs> um, but I, I have this sort of real visual of visualization of it. But um, I, at the time, I was thinking, I'm really, um, I'm struggling. I'm, and this person's doing okay. And then I was like, yeah, but everybody struggles, um, and this is hard. But I'm going to keep listening to these podcasts, and I'm going to keep pushing with my business because basically, it's a small step every day, isn't it? It's not. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic recipe. There's no pill. You just have to keep going and going and going, and eventually, you kind of get there. And it, it's like when you and I think we look back at all the things I've changed and implemented in the period of time I've, I've now been working with you. I was like, wow, that's actually a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, really, really well said. So, uh, so here we are, you, you did it. You've, you have transformed your business and uh, I'm, couldn't be more thrilled for you. Could you, so let's go back in time and tell me how you got into recruitment and, you know, and, and the story of starting your own business at the tender age of just 24. 
Um, I got into the business um, straight from university, actually. I wanted to be a marketeer um, and I always thought that was what I was going to do. My my degree was in consumer science and technology and product management studies. Um, and I thought I wanted to go and work for um, consumer marketing in that field. Um, but I, I applied for I applied for loads of different companies at the time and basically there were all these long paper applications. They took ages to fill in um, and I got rejections from Unilever, all the big companies. And um, I started going through the university um, guidebook um, and I started looking for anyone that had a phone number. Um, and then one day there was one that was um, a recruitment one and it said that sales a marketing job. I didn't really understand what it was. So I phoned up um, and basically sold myself in and got myself an interview. So I went and met with a person. Um, it was an IT recruitment company that did like a um, graduate intake. And I had a bit of a chat with them and they said, look, we've, we'd, we think you're the right person, but you've got to wait three months before we start our program. So I thought, OK, recruitment then. So then I thought I'll just this could be the first job. I'll probably go into marketing later, but this will give me a foot in the door. So I phoned round and got myself about three or four different interviews in various recruitment companies and had a couple of offers um, and went to work for um, an accountancy recruitment company in central London. Um, and so it was torrid, actually. It was hard because the first three months of being in recruitment, um, everybody in the company left um, and <laughs> oh, were sacked. <laughs> yeah, they like they were either sacked or left. And then one day, uh, the, the person who was the person that hired me said to me, look, I've been offered another job in another recruitment company. You show great promise and potential. Will you come and join us? So I went to the other company that was called David Chorley Associates at the time, and they don't exist anymore. Um, they've been absorbed into another uh, company but basically after a week of being in the job he got sacked <laughs> um, oh, no. my manager who, <laughs> who took me there got sacked and I remember going to interview a candidate um, and I, you know, I hadn't had a lot of training all they did is said here's an application form go and interview that person so I could have you know, just picked it up, was running with it, came out of the um, came out of the interview, sat down and said, where's Jerry gone? And they said, um, just sit here a minute, we're going to have a meeting. And so I realised that he'd gone and I sat there thinking, are they going to sack me? <laughs> like, am I out of the business? And suddenly they explained that he wasn't the right fit for the company, but basically we now had a really strong team. So I made that assumption that I was staying. Um, and funny enough, I, I I sort of led, you know, I'd only got six months recruitment experience, but I really sort of led, uh, ended up like lo lo loads of coming and going. I ended up being sort of the lead recruiter within 12 months in that team and doing really, really well. And then they hired in a new manager um, into the business who came from another um you know, major recruitment company. Um, and basically we worked really, really well together. And after about three years, um, we decided to go and set up together. Um, and that's when um, at the age of 24, um, we went and I launched my first business. What a great story. It's hilarious, isn't it? Like looking back, it's a wonder that you're still here and still still in it after a, a you know a rocky start. I, it was funny because I started in the late '90s as well. I think the year after you in 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 1997 was my first recruitment job, and the first three months, I hated it, and I was like, "What? This is such a weird job." Number one, and number two, it was high pressure, and there was this kind of like atmosphere of you know people coming and going like a sort of revolving door a lot of people who you know were not didn't make it <clears throat> i somehow you know did okay and and survived that first uh you know 6 months and started doing really well but yeah it's it's funny how these seeming small decisions at the time just lead your whole life in a new direction um so sorry go ahead you want to say something about that no, I, I was going to say actually at the time I I thought I was being rubbish because quite often I it was it, my manager at the time she was a really um, quite a strong character but I thought this is just work and I just bought a house so I couldn't afford to leave and sometimes I would actually go into the toilet and sit there and cry um, and I'd come back out and say oh it's just hay fever and I'd sit at my desk and I remember at the time feeling what a failure I was because there was nothing about mental health or anything in those days but um, when that now I reflect on it that's actually I realised that I really gained this inner strength from just having to crack I know in a way it's not good because I should have asked for help but um, in this day and age perhaps you would but there was no training but but finally we got there just by pushing on and actually just one day after the other and eventually just sitting it out and believing in yourself eventually you do get there if you're resilient 
A hundred percent. I couldn't have said it better. That's awesome, Karen. And it's it's so weird looking back, like how for the smaller recruiting agencies and independent companies, the training was just really poor. Like there was almost nothing compared to what is expected these days. And and that is an area in our industry that has really improved is the kind of quality of the, of the training. It was more like just, okay, here's your desk, here's a phone, you know, get on the phone and go get some business and then we'll teach you the next step after you get a vacancy. That was that kind of idea, right? And then you get the vacancy and then they're like, okay, ask this question, ask that question. Or you, they go on it. I think the best thing, the best training I ever had was a, a field accompaniment where the director of the business would go on a client visit with me and you'd get to sort of shadow someone in that way. But, you know, so there were little bits that were good, but a lot of it was just, you were left to sink or swim really. So, Karen, I would love to know the accomplishments. Looking back over the recent period, what do you feel most proud of having achieved? So, my company year-end runs differently to everyone else's, as is um, basically June June to June. Um, And in this June to June period, from 2021 to 2022, we have literally um, tripled our turnover um, in that period. Um, and also made some profit along the way, um, but it was—it's been a great, um, a great year for the turnover, and also we've also doubled our best ever year that we've ever done before pre-COVID times. So um, we've made a massive leap um, in that area. Karen, can you clarify for us, like, what's the sort of size and shape of the team as it stands today? Yeah. So, um, so in in this year, one of the things we've done is we've built, um, we've we've introduced three VAs in that period. So um, some of them work part time, some of them work full time. So we've um, we've increased our VA support, um, virtual assistant support. Um, that's also with three producers basically and a trainee. Okay, so you've got three producers, including yourself. Yes, including me. Okay, so there's four revenue producers, plus supported by three VAs. Is that right? Absolutely, hundred percent. And and the thing is, is um, most of the turnover has become from us being more efficient and improving what we're doing. Um, so we haven't just added another person other than the trainee. We've just all got better at doing what we're doing and building and layering up on, on what we've done in the past. Karen, could you just break down, like, what specifically did you do to create that uplift in the uh, business revenue? Well, we really wanted to change. We really wanted to drive the business forward. So I decided, although I set a goal, I focused on the process more than the goal. I basically looked at breaking down um, each process um, bit by bit. And it was really overwhelming to start with because I was thinking, I've got to change everything Um, at one point. I was like, well, no, I don't. I just need to look at what is the thing I need to do? What's the bit that's broken at the moment? Is it business development? Is it um, is it candidate generation? Is it like the team aren't being efficient? Um, and we just basically chunked that down. Um, and every month, I just broke it down into little mini projects. Um, and we ticked we ticked the boxes and and, and just basically developed um, in in one area really. Um, and we went back every so months and went back and improved it. Amazing! I love it. So, is there anything else in addition to that? continuous focus on improvement and implementing those projects. Is there anything else that you've done differently? So each month I would take a strategy on my own. I'd sit there and I'd say, right, where are we as a business? Are we with the figures we want to do? Have we hit our metrics? Have we hit our KPIs? Where are we with our revenue? Okay, so next month, what can I do to push the dial on? Where are we weak on? Are we weak on the business development? Are we weak on the candidate side? Let's ask the team. Let's get some feedback. Um, And over time, we just basically built up a process in each time. So to start with, when we first started doing this, we were weak on client and business development because we started this process in in the latter part of um, of obviously COVID. Um, so we started to look at how do we automate and build up a lead generation machine. Um, we developed one campaign, then we developed another, and then basically we built up a, a whole strand of, of different things that all work together um, to give us like a big wide project. And then every three or four months, we'll look back and go, oh, that's not working as well as it should. What have we stopped doing? Oh, we've stopped doing that. We've stopped doing that. We've dropped off. Okay, we could improve that by delegating that to that person or we can tweak our messaging. Um, We just basically go back and continuously improve. So, Karen, one of the things I most admire about you is you are a massive action taker. So, you know, not only your passion and your creativity, but 
the results you've had and the progress you've made in a short time frame just speaks to how relentless you are at uh, implementation, at taking action. And so kudos to you for making that happen. I'm just so impressed. Well, Mostly, the, yeah, one of the main things I've done is I've also worked on um, my mindset. I've listened to books. I've I've always asked for help. Um, I've I've mentored with other people. I've brainstormed with other people. If there's ever a problem, I've definitely got a much wider peer group of people now. That you know, if I if I if I have something, I would be really quick to reach out and say I'm running this new project. Has anybody got ideas and a brainstorm? Um, and I'm really good at. Uh, asking those people as well to to help me not just give me a top line strategy but like okay how can we implement it how can I break that down how can I make this into a real live process and then I will take that back to my team and we'll have a workshop and maybe three or four of us at one time we'll start writing scripts together we'll start working on it then say well what if this happens and what if that happens and although it's really frustrating it before we know it we've got a process um, and then we test it and then we just go back and reiterate it. So yeah, that, that's been the main thing. It's that test and measure um, and implementation and then looking at, at where the gaps are. That's basically been the nub of our growth. Karen, a, a follow-up point is you mentioned the importance of having a peer group. And that's something that is a recurring theme on the show. Many of the high achievers I've interviewed have said something similar that they really benefit from and value being part of a peer group. But actually... You know, you deserve credit as well for helping so many other people. I know within our coaching group, you know, you're just greatly respected and admired because you're so generous with your knowledge and sharing what's been effective for you and um, helping other people to get to improve their results. So thank you so much for for doing that. Thank you. I also enjoy it. That's the, that's the thing. Is is it, it, it's great to work and talk to other people. And I've realised that one of my personal ways of development is by talking. You know, by actually, as I'm telling somebody something, it also clicks in my brain. So it's a great feedback loop as well to talk about what you've done, and it kind of reinforces. And you're like, oh, that's actually why I did it. Why I'm doing well. Um, whereas it's easy just to be on the hamster wheel and just do the same thing over and over again to take time to reflect. Amazing. Karen, if you could go back in time to your like lowest point during the pandemic, um, when you had to make major changes to your business, if you could tell that Karen Lloyd uh, any advice, what would it be? Keep going; it will work. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Because <laughs> because I, I had days where I was thinking. I'm doing so much here and I'm not getting anything back quickly and it wasn't a quick turnaround you know like in before you pick a phone up and you could make something happen really quickly but building a business is bigger than that it's building an infrastructure it's building um, a whole sort of robust framework and it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of energy to just go back and and just you know, even if you don't like doing something, say to yourself, it doesn't matter you don't like doing this, this needs to be done and you've got to do it um, and you just can't give up. Tell me about launching your your own business, which uh, which I believe was quite successful. Yes. So um, at the age of 24, even then you have anxiety, don't you? I remember weeks before thinking, how am I going to explain this failure on my CV? Um, and in the end, it didn't fail at all. But it was the, it was the inner doubt that we have in ourselves. Um, but basically, I thought, you know, this is something I've learned from myself from a young age, actually, don't doubt yourself, just try it, just do it and see what happens. Um, and I did. So at the age of 24, um, I set up business with another person. Um, and quite quickly, we grew a team. Um, we were, um, we, we, because we were a startup, we were really agile, we were the first um, people in our space to have a website can you oh, wow. awesome. um, it, and even 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 emails and things because we because all the other companies were over complicating it we were just small we could just get things going um, so we um, really quickly scaled our business actually and within about three or four years I stopped being a hands-on consultant and we we built in uh, managers we built an infrastructure we built in um, a graduate um, training scheme um, and we sort of scaled the company to about 20 people so That's we were incredible. going quite well. And I, 
yeah, it, it, it was. It was an incredible journey, and I learned absolutely so much in that time. I, you know, I also was involved in the marketing for the business, um, and was involved in, um, you know, yeah, rebranding the company several times. Been involved in making decisions on, you know, you know, basically how we approach ourselves, how we, you know, everything to do with marketing, basically, which was in those days quite traditional. Um, and it was one of those things that you just don't know what you don't know. But over that time, if it was just an amazing amount that we um, gathered um, in that momentum um, in that period of time. And um, I believe you set up like you were involved in starting up multiple divisions in that business as well. So what what did you learn from that experience of like constantly starting something new up from from scratch, basically? Yeah, so when we started the company, we wanted to just, um, we started, we knew we didn't just want to be small, we wanted to scale our business, but we didn't really know how to do it. Um, so to start with, what we decided, we were going to go global or go local or through the UK. And in those times, you needed to have physical offices. And none of us really wanted to be traveling a long way. And we were all based locally. So what we decided to do, um, which is rather than like have an office in Manchester, an office in London, an office in Crawley, we decided to go multidisciplinary. So we each time we had a new division, we hired in somebody with some domain knowledge. Um, and so the first person um, we bought in was um, from insurance. And then we bought in someone with HR. And then later we bought in somebody, I think it was procurement um, and you know, various different areas. And we just basically built the business out by having certain companies and, and going down those vertical companies and then be able to say, we can do the whole of your three you know, all of your head office marketing, um, it's not, sorry, head office recruitment. It can either be, um, you know, finance person speak to this person, HR speak to our specialists in this team. And that was how we sort of started to scale the company. So some of those, we, we bought in different partners and directors at the time as well. So we, we set different companies up. Um, we also decided to set up another company um, um, which had a slightly different name and a different branding and we were going to start to go for more junior level recruitment um, but that that company didn't do very well um, and we closed that so it was also an example of learning from failing forward as well in terms of you know having a team that that was a different model and a different cycle didn't really work with our company and then the final project I did um, was a completely different product project that was nothing to do with marketing. It was actually um, setting up an e-commerce website. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it, to be fair, it was completely out of my comfort zone. And I, I just had this inner belief that, I've never, re I've never really failed at anything. So if I really want to do this, I'm going to be able to do it. Um, and it was probably slightly arrogant of me because I, I didn't know enough about that sector. Um, I, I, I tried my hardest, but we didn't have a, a very good product proposition. Um, we didn't really understand the market we were going for, and it, and it failed to launch, um, which is when I had to sort of make a decision on where I was going to go and where my heart really lied. And I had tried. I always thought I wouldn't stay in recruitment, and I tried something different and then I realized actually I do love recruitment I love the people side I'm I, I love dealing with with um I, I just it, it's something that is just so part of my life and heart and soul um and so yeah I was going to go on and carry on in that industry and maybe do something different amazing that's a, such an interesting journey and so looking back Karen what would you say were the biggest things you learned in, in from that first company that you were you were part of that you think um, was was valuable experience for you today. I think the the main thing is is um, for me is I don't want to be in a company where it was just me on my own um, and being like a rainmaker style recruiter. I've always wanted to be, and my intention was when I set this company up is also to be in a company that's scaling, um, that you're more powerful um, and stronger. And actually, I know sometimes it's a headache to get those first few steps of growing that team and, and doing everything but once you've got that infrastructure in place your your kind of the foundations of your house are so much stronger um, and that's that's really really important and not being afraid to delegate and bring in specialist people that that can do the job Ab absolutely that's awesome so then 
What led you to launch Armstrong Lloyd? So in between um, leaving um, the last, the other company where I was there for 14 years, um, mm-hmm. I decided to take a slightly different strategic route because I hadn't been very hands-on as a recruiter for a few years. Um, so I went to work with this um, really wonderful company, actually, um, that does software um, as a service for um, the recruitment industry. And they, they offer sort of strategic recruitment solutions. So I worked with them for about 18 months, doing um, working with HR directors and really drilling down on their problems problems, really understanding what they're doing. I had a really great time of just like, like, you know, being strategic as a recruiter. Um, and then after about 18 months, I was like, I really loved working with this other company, but I really want to do my own thing. Um, and one of my colleagues at the time um, saw how well I was performing and, and saw the impact I'd made. And he said to me, Karen, I feel you'd ha- you came to us with a, a bit of a knocked confidence, but you have just blossomed. You are like the superstar rocket star of this company. You've done so well. You know, why don't you go and do your own thing again? You know, wh- why don't you set your own recruitment company up? And I was like, actually, he's probably right. Um, so I thought and pondered really, really hard about what I wanted to do next. Um, and it was, again, I've, I was like, oh, I know this feeling in my belly. It's a scary feeling of stepping off the diving board again, but I know I can do it because I've done it more than once. Um, and this time I'm going to do it again. And it's going to be the, the last time, but it's going to be really the winning time. Um, so I decided to um, launch Armstrong Lloyd um, in 2024 and in, with, the, with the essence of being a marketing um, specialist because that was the area that I'd, I'd, um, I'd interviewed marketing people um, as part of my role. I'd had marketing people reporting to me. Um, I'd also been involved in the marketing. But also the other thing that I had learned, which I hadn't said before, the other thing I'd really learned from the other company is I'd learned what it's like to be a real hiring manager and not just a recruiter. I'd learned from the mistakes of hiring somebody and them failing and not doing well in your business and the pain of that, which a lot of recruiters don't have because they just, they're they're always working, you know, outside of that remit. So I realised it also made me a much better, stronger recruiter and that I could build a really strong infrastructure in the way I questioned and probed and developed people. And I could also train other people within my business to do that. Um, And that was my goal of setting up this business. Fantastic. I love that. So Karen, I feel like we've missed a... um a chapter here because you talked about, and by the way, thank you for sharing uh, that feeling in your belly of before you jump off the diving board. Cause I think not enough people acknowledge that fear of, you know, the courage of starting up something on your own um, and, uh, and deciding to, to really just dive in and go for it. Um, but you mentioned that your confidence having been knocked, could you elaborate on that? Yeah, so obviously I've been in the same company for 14 years um, and when I when I left that company, it wasn't particularly with um, a warm feeling on either side. Um, we'd had um, we'd had some feeling of um, not particularly getting on um, together. It was it was kind of like a divorce of business, really, um, in the nicest possible way. Um, so it was it was quite heart wrenching to walk away from a company that I'd worked in for 14 years. Um, but now when I reflect back on it um the culture had changed for me the vision of the company changed and everything the the company's journey had changed so actually um at the time it was hard and it knocked my confidence um but you know it's 10 years ago now and um, I look at it now and I'm I, I realize it was a hundred percent the right thing for me to do um you know I've grown so much more as an individual um I and I work with such wonderful people who are really collaborative um, and we, you know we've taken such pride and actually one of the people um, who worked with me in both companies said to me um, I've almost blossomed and become a completely different person that she felt was unrecognizable um, and that I you know she always knew I was an inspiring leader but she said now you are like a superstar amazing leader and you know I, I just I'm proud of you every day so it's it's, it's, it's nice to hear that feedback isn't it Absolutely. That's brilliant. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology 
to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. So, you know, it's, it's amazing how often I'm sure people listening will relate where you go through something really hard and at the time it seems like the end of the world and, um, and then you look back with the benefit of hindsight and realize that that was the best thing that could have happened and that had you not gone through that, you know, um, challenge or that adversity, then it wouldn't have led to where you are now, which is an even, even better place. So, um, so I'm so happy that you experienced it that way or you're able to reflect on it that way. Yeah, there's, there's, there's one other thing just to add to that um, is I think at that point, the change I've made is I learned to ask for help. So, you know, as I said earlier in my career, I didn't ask for help. But at that point, I did go and seek some help and support but from a coach, actually. Um, and she said to me, Karen, the fact you've asked for help, it means you're going to be fine. And whatever you do, you're going to go on. And whenever I've had a problem now for any part of my life, whether it's with my children or anything else, I've always really quickly, if I've got to a roadblock and I think I don't know where to go with this, I've gone and sought help and seeked peers or other people to work with me, mentor and support. And I think, to be fair, if that's one turning point in my life that's really made a difference in the last 10 years, this isn't a pitch for your <laughs> for you, Mark, but, but, but you know, it is, it is um, that coaching part has been like a phenomenal change oh that's amazing i'm uh delighted to hear that i agree 100 percent. i've got a coach for the same reason uh and it is important to have those peer communities that you um you share ideas and and uh you know learn from people who are in the same industry as you um you mentioned to me once that you did the same thing with your running could you talk a little bit about your running journey and and uh how that relates Yes. So um, I've been a runner um, for about 15 years now. Again, I was one of those people that didn't run. I was always the person at school that nobody, um, that you know, I, I was someone that didn't even run around the track, actually, because I I didn't think I could do it. Um, and then when I was in my early 30s, um, I started to go to the gym more and train. Um, and I had somebody who started to coach me on like a PT level. Um, and he started to notice that I used write down what my um, distances I'd run and what the time was. And he started to say to me, oh, you, uh, you're quite target and goal focused, aren't you, with your running? I said, oh, no, no, not really. I'm not, I'm not really. It's just not me. I just like want to see my progress. And he said, well, why don't you do a 10K race as your first 10K race? And I said, well, I don't really know. It's not really my scene. I don't really identify as a runner. It's not it's my thing. But okay, I'll try. I'll do one race and I'll do a challenge. So I set off um, and my, I wrote my husband in to do it as well. And we both did a 10K um, race. Um, and when we did it, um, my trainer said to me, um, that, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I said, what's a good time? And he said, oh, um, if someone does it for their first race in about 55 minutes, you've done quite well. If you've done 40, uh, 50 minutes, you'll be okay. Um, you know, but I, I, you'll probably be 55. So don't worry about it. Well, I managed to do it in 40 47 minutes. Wow, um, that's and, amazing. <laughs> um, and so I, I was, I'm, I, I, I suppose I, I then realised it was a big shift, actually. Interestingly enough, in, in, we're reading a book at the moment in our uh, in a circle group, aren't we? We're talking about the fixed mindset. Um, and actually, I suppose it was a fixed mindset view of mine that I, I basically was good at it and thought, oh, I'm good at this, so I'm going to carry on doing it. Um, but I did carry on um, and start to improve and I started to coach um, and get better and better and better and eventually managed to get my best time down to about 42 minutes. Wow, that's amazing, Karen. Well, you're my uh, inspiration for then in the in the area of running. You've been doing it a lot longer than I have. I only picked it up a couple of years ago, um, but uh, and I've hired a personal trainer as well and, uh, and it's really... Um, 
been huge, uh, you know, hugely important to uh, to enhancing my my life and my confidence and my um, energy and everything. But um, by the way, the book that you're referring to for anyone who wants to check it out is called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Uh, is an excellent book um, that relates to the fixed mindset versus the, the growth mindset. So it's just really interesting how there's parallels there with you know, with running and then starting your own business and challenging yourself, setting goals, also seeking help and support and coaching. Um, so with Armstrong Lloyd, then tell me about uh, that journey, because obviously that's the most relevant. That's your your uh, your real um, baby in the sense that you're the sole founder and this is the one that you're um, that you're making huge strides in scaling. Yes. So, yeah, we, we, I mean, we're just so passionate. Everybody in the team, everybody in the company, we're just really passionate about marketing. Um, we generally have an interest in the industry and the companies that we work with. Um, the reason I love the space so much is it's just such a fast-moving space. And although um, most people say to me, oh, Karen, you're a bit of an expert, I'm still learning every day. You know, I interview somebody and there's a new part of marketing or a, a new aspect that uh, companies are doing or someone else is just shifting the dial. Um, and I just find it so inspiring to be working with um, talented companies that, are, that, are, that always are learning and doing something different. And when I listen to what the marketing people are doing in their businesses, I think that's what I need to be doing for my business um, and they inspire me to be better for my own business as well um, which is um, something that you know which I really love. Amazing so um, what would you say have been the biggest challenges um, in in growing this business? So when I started this business, I came in from the back of what I've always known from um, the other business I'd, I'd, I've done. And so I, I brought the recruiters in as a 360 model. Um, and I started to scale the team to about four people and everybody was a 360. Um, and I knew that some of the people in the team were probably better with with the client side and some with the candidates. But I'd never done it differently and I didn't really know how to do it. Um, and so I just carried on hoping for a while um, that it was just going to happen. Um, and since um, since the last two years, since I've been working and, and been coaching um, more intensely, um, I've basically remodeled that. So now um, we've gone um, that we have got one. There's one person in the business that is 360 because that you know they're they're a phenomenal talent. Um, but there's other people in the business now that I've set up a structure um, where we have researchers and we also have um, people that are um, doing the, the client side um, and some people that are doing the candidate side as well. So we have um, really restructured um, and it's allowed us to really train um, and become really, really strong in, in those areas and build um, lots of procedures and operating systems um, in place that's uh, a constant a constant um, evolution. It's something, it's never, it's never done, it's never perfect, but um, something we're constantly trying to develop. Amazing. Well, that's really, really cool. Uh, hearing about the way you've restructured and changed your, your business model. One of the um, things I know many, many recruitment business owners find is that recruiting for their own business is a challenge. How have you found that aspect of growing your team? So previously, when I was at the other company, um, I was um, one of my roles was being the internal recruiter. But um, and I and I and I, I did sort of graduate programs there. Um, but it was a while ago, and obviously it was a different methodology. But it's been great working um, with Leanne because um, Leanne from the um, Inner Circle comes from rec to rec background, um, and she she ha she brought this a magical well magical. She 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 produced this amazing document that had a really great insight um, and basically I just used it as a template and I just literally got to the top of her template and I just implemented it um, and I managed to hire two really really good people from the back of it um, and the, I think the secret formula of hers is looking for people from a sporty background so one of the people I hired was um, an ex-professional footballer um, and then another person um, in my team um, yeah was slightly different actually it's like not so sporty when I actually when I interviewed him eventually he was sporty but he hadn't got it on his CV. But um, but it's been using um, Leanne's template has been a, a real change for me. Oh, that's awesome! I know. I, I it's funny. I spoke with um, Abid ha Hamid from Recruitment Entrepreneur about this same topic, and 
um, I was telling him about Leanne's brilliant um, training on recruiting recruiters. And I, the thing that struck me about that wasn't necessarily this, the athletic background, but it was more, have they done something really hard? Like, have they pushed themselves and challenged themselves? And it could be, for example, they were the captain of their football team at school or they, but it could be they were into swimming and they had to get up, you know, early before school every day and go to the pool. And that that was, or in some cases, it was people who'd like done a gap year and they'd worked and lived abroad or, but it was, it was looking for something in their background that showed that they were that they were willing to push themselves outside their comfort zone and really um, strive to uh, to kind of grow and and have that competitiveness as well. So I think that was the the thing I took away from the the sporting you know looking for someone with a with a sports background is the competitiveness and also just the um, yeah putting yourself out there and doing something that's hard. Really, I think was was the key thing. Um, so. Sorry, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, and the resilience, really. Because I know um, lots of people in the olden days when we recruited, they always would ask what motivates you to be a recruiter and they wanted the answer to be money. Um, I want to make lots of money. That's why I want to be a recruiter. But to be fair, that was never really a motive for me. I've never, you know, for me, it's always been about the recognition and doing well and being good at something and, and the success part. And that's something I look for in my team. I, I mean, great if someone says that they want it to be about the money. There is money to be made in recruitment, but I'm looking for a bit more depth in my hires. I'm looking for people that that, that don't just want to make money, but they they want to they want to win at something. They want to be good at something. They want to be the best at what they're doing. Um, and they're, they're they've got examples of where they've been resilient and they've had to overcome issues which is where you're coming with a sporty background I guess as well you know and that that's that you know that questioning is is very very um relevant as well absolutely of course yeah well that's um close to my heart with this being the resilient recruiter podcast you're 100 um essential this episode is brought to you by recruitment entrepreneur Recruitment Entrepreneur are the number one investor in startup and scale-up recruitment businesses globally. They've now launched in the USA and are looking to partner with experienced recruiters who are ready to build something for themselves. Founded by James Kahn, they've already invested in 45 businesses. When I interviewed James in episode 123, he shared a case study of how they helped a recruiter to start, scale, and sell his recruitment company for $12 million in five years. That company is called Walter James and they were acquired by ZRG. Could you be their next success story? To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. That's VC as in venture capital. Book a call with one of their investment directors and be sure to tell them that you were referred by me, Mark Whitby at the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. In relation to Armstrong Lloyd, what are some of the other uh, changes or improvements that you've made that are accelerating your growth? So um, we have also um, developed our sort of communication system. So mostly we work remotely as a business. We Before lockdown, um, we did do a couple of days in the office, but mostly we've been a remote first business. Um, but we've now um, developed lots of internal workshops and improvement workshops that we schedule and we do every week. Um, and that's something um, that, you know, that We've also built more of a structure in terms of stand-ups um, and, you know, an opportunity to people to share and have like a chit-chat before work um, and, and just like explain what their day was um, and start to sort of have um, some energy levels of, of, of and some synergy really in what people are doing rather than just being siloed on their own at home. Brilliant. Oh, that's so, so important. Um, and how have they responded to that? Yeah, it's it took a while. Um, the first few weeks, meetings I remember thinking oh this is a bit flat I've, I've made a mistake um but you know we've been doing it for about eight months now and like the meetings are like on fire you know everybody um like people have just really just got used to um that that this is their opportunity to really speak and ask someone a question and um and I I just I, I feel like everyone comes out of that meeting going yeah that was really great I'm really pleased um, I didn't realize you were doing that I didn't realize you were doing that oh my god I'm just so pleased that we managed to share that that's really interesting. I think this is valuable because 
so many meetings are happening online now. So how, what did you do or what did you change, do you think, in order to take the meetings from being a bit flat to being on fire? I think to start with, I was probably being a bit too task focused. Um, so that's why we sort of introduced a bit of a chit chat because I'd be like, come on, come on, you know, like, come on, we've got, oh, we're all busy. And then I said to one of the other people about it and they said, oh, no, actually, we quite liked it. I got feedback from people. I went and asked, you know, how do you think we could make these meetings better? And they said, oh, no, we quite like the chit chat part. And I was like, oh, OK. I thought you'd think we were wasting time. So I think it was just more listening to people, asking them what their opinion was, getting feedback and then implementing it, um, which sounds such a basic thing. But when you're in a business running it, sometimes it's something you forget to do. Absolutely. That's brilliant. Um, anything else that you, you think is the secret to having really um, powerful online meetings? Well, we set a timeline so we don't go beyond X. Um, we make sure every person speaks um, and we also have a bit of a formula. So we basically have a share something, you know, if you want to share something about what's going on with you, you know, your day, your night, whatever. Um, and then we have um, what, what, you're, what you've done or any wins you want to share and then what your challenges are. And we have that formula. So everybody knows they're coming to the meeting with that in mind. Um, and that's, I think that's what helped people prepare so they're just not on the spot or suddenly going off on a tangent. Absolutely. That's in incredibly important to have an agenda. People know what they're expected to prepare so that they have more to say. They're not just, you know, like a deer in the headlights. Um, and they can contribute more that way as well. Um, Karen, one thing I wanted to ask you about is your marketing because you do a phenomenal job with marketing your business. And by the way, definitely check out Karen's LinkedIn profile. Uh, it's Karen Lloyd, double L-O-Y-D. And um, check out the content she's posting on LinkedIn. It's really consistent and really engaging. But what are some of the things that you're doing from a marketing perspective that you think have helped to really elevate your brand and to win more, uh, more clients and, you know, build your profile as a business? So um, one of the things um, I always wanted to achieve, like an automated, I always had these ideas of things I wanted to do in terms of using data, leveraging information. There's certain triggers in recruitment that we all know that are happening, um, like someone's advertising a job or someone's about to leave a job. Um, but it's like, when you think about trying to implement um, triggers or marketing around that, it feels really overwhelming. And if you had to remember to do it as a consultant, it would just fall by the wayside. So I've, I've developed quite a lot of automation within my business. Um, and I've, I've, I've hired um, in people dedicated to run those automated processes. Um, and basically, we've mapped out the process step by step. And then we've basically tested them. We've measured it. We've looked at the results. And then we've gone back and improved it. Um, and, you know, we've, we've, we've been brave in some cases we've um you know there was there was an email sequence we were doing and actually um I brought it to the group um to ask their opinion because we were going to do something um you know we were going to we were going to give some value before we asked for something um and it was a bit out of my comfort zone because we'd always been told call to action in recruitment you know let's don't cut to the chase cut to the chase sorry um and actually we did implement um a slightly softer um nurturing email um strategy which has really it's been a real winner um so yeah that I think it's the test measure um constantly looking to evolve something so build build something up bring in a new stream of marketing embed it improve it come back and review it in six months let, let things go then build something else and not just relying on one thing I think that's so important and I'm, I'm glad you shared it because it's so easy to try something and it doesn't get instant results and then you go oh, well that didn't work and I hear this all the time from recruitment business owners things like oh yeah I, I hired a virtual assistant but it, it it didn't work out you know and that was it they tried it once um, or you know yeah we we did have uh, an automation tool but it kind of you know it it worked okay but you know we just kind of uh, moved on to something else and you know, nothing works perfect straight out of the box, right? It, it const you do need to, you know, tailor it and tweak it and keep um, iterating until you, you know, you get it working how you want. So I think that's something about you that is um, that I'm impressed with is how you put things in place and you really see them through. Um, you you mentioned about sharing value. Would you 
uh, mind talking about some of the content you've developed in order to, um, you know, to use educational-based marketing in your business? Yes. So obviously some of the companies we're targeting already have in-house recruitment teams or they may be recruiting themselves or having a punt. Um, So rather than just say to those companies, um, why don't you use us? We will say to them, we we understand your your, um, hiring. Maybe good luck with that. If you're doing a good job and you don't need us, fine. But here's a guide. Here's some information on how you might do it better. Um, And uh, here's the best practice. Um, And I've, I've had I've had some really wonderful feedback from companies actually saying that they really liked that approach, that it was really kind um, and really different. And that if they ever got stuck, um, we would probably be at the top of their list because, you know, we weren't just somebody that was just out trying to grab what we could get, which is true because we're not. We, we're, we're always a company, um, you know, we're not afraid to walk away um, if we don't think we can help a company or they're not the right avatar or, or company that we work with. We'd rather work with the companies we know we have the specialist knowledge to work with um, than just try and be everything to everyone. I think that's brilliant. So you've got your um, interview guide f- specifically for marketing within technology, which is brilliant. Uh, you've also done a salary survey, I think. Um, so you're you are putting out really great information that is helpful and uh, and and valuable to your marketplace that positions you guys as the experts in this in this area which i think is phenomenal um could you say a little about starting to to transition to getting more exclusive and and retained work yes so um when i when I joined um, the Inner Circle, um, we were doing at the time, it was a time we were just coming out of um, lockdown. So it was difficult. And at the time we were struggling to get jobs actually when I first joined. And within almost I, I th- within almost a few months of doing that, I was like overwhelmed with the amount of jobs I had and, and what we were doing. And, and I noticed that other people in my peer were talking about how they operated differently. And it, it did sit slightly out of my comfort zone uh, because it was different to what we're doing. Um, but people were in in the group basically and you coached us and said sometimes you just need to ask and be brave um, and that's what we did we just basically um, the next time an opportunity came and opportunities were coming because of the marketing we were doing um, and, and also our delivery was good so when we delivered something for somebody rather than just go back the next time we deliver we'd go back and say um, um, we would work on an engagement fee so we don't work on the old traditional model of third third and third we have done for some companies and we would but quite often we we work on an engagement or commitment fee up front um, we don't do it for every company um, if we're working on maybe three or four briefs that are the same sometimes we're quite happy not to take that retainer or engagement and commitment fee because you know just it's the way that it is in the market but quite often we would have three three or four candidates across three or four shortlists and we don't feel guilty about that because we haven't done an engagement fee with those companies um and you know we've we've got the breadth of that market at the moment um because of the high demand got it that's amazing so what you're saying is if you want to market those candidates out to multiple or represent them to multiple clients at the same time then you would not take on that type of some on an engaged basis is that the philosophy or not quite what I say is I suppose we've got different buckets of clients so um, and that's what we've done is we've categorized it and also I, I, we would I, you know other people have also agreed with this so we've got companies that if the if it was a very very specific search that was very, you know that needed an in-depth um, amount of um, time and energy and that company wanted a dedicated resource then we would do an engaged or retained um, process but if we had a company that maybe already um, had some people in their pipeline or they were they were open rather than walk away from those companies if we've got other companies that are very very similar we will say yes we will help you with your pipeline um, if if it was a completely sector or, or different job that we weren't working on and we didn't have knowledge in, we would just say no, thank you. But it just means right. we've been able to support companies that we wouldn't normally support um, because we generally work on an exclusive basis. But we, you know, we've been able to um, g- 
give ourselves a broader market share because of that way of working. I understand. Okay, no, that makes sense. And so um, where are things going from here, Karen? What's the vision for Armstrong Lloyd? So the vision is really growth. Um, I'm, I'm looking to build my team. Um, I'm looking to bring on um, at least two more people, hopefully this year, um, and, and build out the team and scale. Um, I'm not trying to um, do it massively quickly um, and, and scale in that way. I, I, I love the um, the culture we have for the company. And, you know, from experience of the other company, uh, sometimes you can lose that feeling of boutiqueness and some of the control if you move too quickly. Um, other people do, I know. But for me, I, I've done it before and this I want to do it in a slightly more controlled fashion this time um, and build up that part. But also we're building up and really growing our client base and building out um, our domain um, knowledge and sector, um, which is the most important thing for me really is is serving those companies um, and delivering the results um, consistently. Karen, is there anything else that we haven't discussed yet that you wanted to share today? Um, I don't think so. I just think um, if, if I just think if you're ever... I was talking to somebody else the other day who um, was potentially looking to grow their business and decide whether they were going to stay on their own or whether they were going to like um, like expand or develop. Um, and I just think it's always a really a really poignant thing for me is if imagine like the value of your business is just you. Something happens to you. Just step outside and see what else you can build with a bit of framework, a bit of support, a bit of extra help. Um, eventually the pain will go away and it will be so much more, um, you know, it, it, it is painful to do that. It's, it's hard work as the others in the group share. But basically once you've done it, you can step back and you can just think it's not just me anymore. I've built something that's really worth something, not just in money terms, but also f- for the people that work for me, the people I've developed, um, the companies I'm, I'm, I've got a bigger scope of being able to support them more efficiently. And I, I just think it just gives you a lot of pride so sometimes it's just, you know, be uncomfortable and take that step. There's definitely a pain barrier to go through uh, if you want to grow a firm rather than be a solo operator. And look, it's not for everybody. Um, I do think, though, that if you have that ambition and you can, you know, go through the pain barrier of hiring, coaching, you know, managing uh, other fee earners, other producers, then... It just, it, it gives you, you know, more scope in terms of your own growth and personal development, um, you know, in terms of developing those leadership skills, coaching, mentoring, um, business management skills, which, you know, don't get me wrong, like running a desk, even um, just on its own is complex in terms of the craft of recruiting, you know, working with clients, working with candidates, putting deals together, and for some people, that is all they want. They're, you know, they, they love that. And that for them really is the complete picture. But if you're somebody who, you know, there's layers to this game, right? And if you feel like you're, you know, stale or burnt out or like just that's not fulfilling you anymore, then maybe the opportunity to pass on your knowledge to coach to mentor others to see them get you know uh, achieve their potential in recruitment can be hugely rewarding and then as you say it also gives you much more scope within your business to really expand things and um, operate at a higher level what do you think Completely. And there's nothing quite like um, being able to go on holiday or take a break and come back and someone in your team's made a placement and you haven't had to do anything (laughs) other than obviously train them in the first place. (laughs) Absolutely. I think that is the main drawback, you know, for solo recruiters is that um, it's 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 more like being self-employed than being a business owner. It's like a self-employed gig or freelance gig, you know, like uh, even professions that are high earners, like lawyers, doctors, um, you know, are limited to, you know, how many patients they can treat, how many billable hours they can work. And it's the same for solo recruiters. You know, it's, it's a bit like being a hairdresser, how many, you know, um, haircuts can you give or, you know, whatever, freelance uh, plumbers or, you know, think of any self-employed freelancer or contractor, um, even no matter how much money you make, your 
whole revenue depends on you. And so like if when you go on holiday, you're literally not earning, right? So that to me is one of the biggest benefits of actually building a team is that, you know, the business is more than just you. And it means you can actually take a holiday or a vacation and um, not feel like the business is going to fall apart. You know, when you're not giving it 100% attention, you know that your clients and your candidates are still being well looked after. Your service is you know, still being delivered at a high level, you know, to your standards. And, um, you know, and ideally deals are still happening and placements are being made and you are still making money even while you're on vacation. That just is like, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing if you can uh, achieve that. Karen, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey. I'm sure there'll be so many people who are inspired by that and uh, and I'm inspired by you as well. So thank you. You're really welcome. It's been great. And, um, you know, if you're out there running, walking, jogging or doing something else, you know, I highly recommend um, you reach out to Mark. He is an inspirational coach. And also I, I have a joke. Um, I always say to Leanne and the others that I finally found my tribe. I finally found um, the people um, that that inspire me and I love working with on a day-to-day basis on that sort of professional development. So um, don't be afraid to send Mark an email like I did. (laughs) Oh, bless you. Thank you so much, Karen, and have an awesome day. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Just before you go, let me ask you one question. Who in your network would make a great guest on the Resilient Recruiter podcast? I'm always on the lookout for interesting people to interview recruitment entrepreneurs who embody the ethos of the resilient recruiter. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the kind of person I'm looking for. Ordinary men and women who've achieved extraordinary things. Specifically, I'm looking for someone with a great story to tell, someone who's overcome adversity in pursuit of their goals, and who's open to sharing their own mistakes and learning experiences with our listeners. In the words of previous guests, John Coxon and Alex Elliott, I'm looking for someone with humble confidence. They could be a top producing solo or independent recruiter or the owner of a fast growing firm. Maybe that person is you, or maybe it's someone you know. Send me your recommendations, mark at recruitmentcoach.com or feel free to nominate yourself. And if you think you meet the criteria I've just outlined, I'd love to hear from you. Once again, it's mark at recruitmentcoach.com. Remember to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.